God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Last year in May, so almost a year ago, uh, the night before my daughter's ninth birthday, we were going to make her birthday cake. I turned the oven on to preheat, went about my business, doing some other stuff, and the temperature of the oven didn't change. It just kept on at like the, it said 175 degrees and wasn't going up. And I went, hmm, that's not right. The oven was broken. So we had to do an audible for preparing the nine-year-old birthday cake, which was a whole different story. But clearly something had to be done about our broken oven. We like to cook. And it was the pandemic, so like we weren't going to go out to eat a lot, right? Like, so I didn't know who to call. I called my home warranty company, but that was a disaster. So I um, asked a parishioner here, do you know of somebody, do you have a story of, of a good company who can fix an oven? Got an answer and a thumbs up immediately of, yes, this is a company that's very reliable. They will take care of you. I called, scheduled an appointment. They came, took care right? Like this first person account of a positive company to help the situation ended up with a happy outcome in the Harper household. Now we had to actually cook a cake here in the church kitchen for Josephine's birthday, but that shared story helped us get to where we were hoping to be. First-hand experiences and when we hear those stories, they can be meaningful. Sometimes more meaningful than just reading about them in a dispassionate way. People listen to those first-person accounts and are moved. I think about the story that we heard on Easter morning yesterday, uh, last week, just yesterday, of Mary... Uh, mother of James, of Salome, and Mary Magdalene, who went to the tomb with spices to put on Jesus's body. Grieving the death of their beloved rabbi, they find the tomb empty. And then they have this strange, surprising message from this glowing person in white. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. It's a sensory lived experience that we hear retold. This witness of what these women saw and heard. It indeed opens our eyes generations later to this truth of the empty tomb, to the truth of what resurrection for Jesus truly is. And the retelling of that story over and over again continues to relay that passion, that heartache, that hopefulness, that Easter joy. And so now we're in Eastertide. We're in the season of the great 50 days of Easter. And so I wonder, what changes in the resurrection? Like, as we read the scripture for today, how do we read and understand scripture differently? 
What does the resurrection of Jesus make possible? Well, our language in liturgy and worship is often that Jesus has defeated death, right? Through his own death, resurrection, and ascension, he defeated death. That's one thing resurrection allows us to do, right? To own and to say, yes, that changes things. And I'm going to say that in reading Acts today, we have different answers. That is one answer for sure. We have different answers that are revealed to us in the Acts of the Apostles. So what does resurrection for Jesus make possible? Well, we hear stories of faith and community. Bold proclamations of the good news of Jesus, of resurrection, of life, and of hospitality and belonging, like really meaningful living. The verse in Acts chapter 4 that immediately precedes our scripture appointed for today goes like this. It, it frames what's happening. When they, these apostles, had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. So there was this powerful prayer meeting. The spot where they gathered started quaking, and absolutely everyone there is filled with the Holy Spirit and is uttering the Word of God publicly. Ooh, can you imagine what we Episcopalians would do in that? That, that would be um, exciting. Um, and we definitely tell stories about that, right? That would make the book. So what does the resurrection of Jesus make possible? emboldening by the Holy Spirit, emboldening by the Holy Spirit, the advocate is sent to bind them together, to accompany them in Jesus's absence, and to empower them to proclaim their first-hand experiences of faith, of hope, of love. Because you got to be honest, right? Like, that that's a that's a big story to tell with God's help. And so in telling these stories, in speaking their witness, and giving testimony, we hear those words in Acts today. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The apostles talked with others in their community about their lived experiences in faith, their interactions with the risen Lord. They're moved to speak honestly and vulnerably about what they have seen, what they have heard, what they have touched, what they have prayed. Their lived experience of transformation and resurrection. And as that verse ends, and great grace was upon them all abundant graciousness. Graciousness in lived action, in their mannerisms. It was displayed by all of them. Can you imagine how that must have felt? The peace which passes all understanding. And so in this vignette we hear from Acts today, 
we see this early Christian community living into a rhythm of that peace promised by Jesus. That peace be with you that Jesus proclaimed to his friends and to Thomas. Words of care and compassion and generosity of spirit, not just in word, but in heart and soul. They were one. They were united. Isn't that what we yearn for and love when we experience it? Everything in their community was held in common. So, right, it's not just like the, the touchy-feely happiness. Like then we hear the concrete evidence of this generosity and united feeling. Everything is held in common where those with more means share so that all, all who have needs have their needs met. What a bold presentation of inward and outward hospitality in which every one belongs. All are part of the same identity as the body of Christ. That is what is binding them together in that united identity. And what we read in Acts mirrors the integration and the inclusivity in the first verse of Psalm 133 that we sang. Oh, how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. So why were they like this? What happened? Why can't we do this all the time? Doesn't this sound beautiful? Well, in Acts 2, remember we hear about the Holy Spirit coming down right? Pentecost. And in awe that rests upon everyone, they see wonders and signs being done by the apostles, and all who believed were together and had things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. So this fledgling community of Christians had the forward motion of the Holy Spirit upon them, compelling them to live experiences of love and generosity. See, the gift of God's grace is like that. It gets us going. The gift of God's grace gets us going. The philosopher, the Christian philosopher Dallas Willard wrote, Grace is opposed to earning. Grace is opposed to earning, but grace is not opposed to effort. In fact, he writes, nothing inspires and enhances effort like the experience of grace. And he continues a little further along, becoming Christ-like never occurs without intense and well-informed action on our part. We act not because we can earn grace or because we can work to feel worthy enough for it. We engage and do and share and live putting effort into living more deeply into the gift of God's grace. Because grace is connected with effort. 
So will it always be like this beautiful image in Acts chapter 4? No, if we keep on reading in Acts chapter 4, it goes dark pretty quickly. Ananias and Sapphira rebel against the paradigm of trust and sharing in the community, and they meet an unfortunate, abrupt, and untimely end. However, grace still calls us to give our best, to give our best, our heart and our soul, sharing what we have heard, smell, smelled, touched, felt, these lived first-person experiences, bearing witness and word and example to the love of Jesus. Taking it from just from what we think in our heads and know in our hearts to having our bodies moved. And so in this Eastertide, how will we, each of us, give our testimony through words and actions? How will we provide assistance to those in need? How will we live into that community that can happen in Acts chapter 4? Maybe it looks like giving an Eastertide gift to St. Stephen's to support outreach efforts and to support tornado relief. We're sending an offering to the Bishop's Easter Fund to assist with emergencies in parishes and communities across our diocese. Maybe it means making a contribution to Episcopal Place as you order some gumbo for this coming Wednesday, giving an additional gift to Episcopal Place to help support those services that keep low-income residents living independently with dignity. Maybe your testimony through action looks like signing up to make snack bags for our neighbors in Avondale, for our Avondale Ministries, or volunteering time to assist with pastoral care support for homebound parishioners. So friends, I invite you to pray that the Holy Spirit will embolden you and listen for how you choose to live more deeply into the gift of God's grace in this Eastertide. Amen.